Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hello, friends. Welcome to After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni. I'm your host, John Steele, and I am glad you're here. Hey, if it's your first time listening, welcome to the show. Okay, a little podcast scheduling business up front here. It's nearly Thanksgiving. I can almost taste the cranberry sauce now. Yes, cranberry sauce from a can, or canberry sauce, if you will, is my favorite Thanksgiving dish, and there's nothing you can say to shame me into changing that opinion. But anyway, in an effort to fully enjoy a break with family this week, uh, we won't be prepping or releasing an episode for next week. But then we'll be back on December 6th with our next and final Urbana sneak peek episode. So with that in mind, I actually have two recommendations for you during this week off. One, if you haven't had a chance to listen to our two most recent Advent episodes, go back and listen to them. Advent begins on Sunday, and those episodes are there as a resource to help you engage well. You'll learn a bit more about the Advent season as a whole, and you'll learn about some useful tools for meeting with Jesus during that time. So that's one. Second recommendation, just don't fill the gap with any other episodes. Use the time that you would typically spend listening to After Four and give your ears to someone else. That could be giving an extra 30 minutes to your family, to your roommate, to a neighbor, or, crazy idea here, to silence sitting with Jesus using one of the Advent resources that we've recommended to you, like Jason Gabery's Wait With Me or Betty Dickinson's Making Room in Advent. Either way, I hope you'll invest your typical after-four time next week into something else that adds value for you and others. But for now, how about we jump into this week's episode? Today, we're joined by Kat, a 2016 Ryder University alumna, and she's going to tell us the story of waiting on a promise from God a promise that he made during her junior year in college that by her estimations had died shortly after graduation. What she didn't know at the time was that God was working behind the scenes in her and in others to prepare them for an unlikely time to see God's promises fulfilled and new ministry opportunities blossom right in the middle of a global pandemic. It's a great story of God's faithfulness. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So here's Kat, and this one's for you, alumni. Hello, Kat. Hello, John. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I'm looking forward to our conversation together, getting to know you as we jump in here. Would you just introduce yourself? What are some of the things that would be helpful for us to know about you, Kat? I live in Morrisville, Pennsylvania. I am married to my college sweetheart, Brandon Rofina. We got married in June of 2020. We have our first child on the way due January of 23. Graduated from Ryder University in 2016, and my degree is in management and leadership with a minor in psychology. How did you get involved with InterVarsity in the first place? Tell me just a little bit about that story. So I was looking for friends. I was not looking for God when I came into college. And actually, my husband posted about Ryder University on our incoming class Facebook page the summer before I started Ryder. 
And so I was like, oh, wow, that sounds interesting. I'm going to check it out when I go to college. So I went to our first large group and God found me anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And so I became really involved in the fellowship. I was inviting people to InterVarsity before I was a Christian because I thought these people are really cool. Then at our fall conference about 10 years ago, I decided to follow Jesus for the first time as an adult. Long story short, I wasn't even supposed to go to that conference, but once again, God had other plans. That's amazing. Gosh, and there where you make an adult decision to follow Jesus. You say you went to Ryder looking for friends, not for God. And then boom, here God shows up anyways in all these different ways. How did that change the trajectory of what happened for you over the coming years of your college experience? It literally changed the entire trajectory of my life. I was a psych major. I decided to change that to business because I felt like God was calling me to business. And it honestly worked hand in hand with being on the leadership team with InterVarsity because what I learned in class, I applied to InterVarsity and what I learned in InterVarsity, I got to apply in my classroom. So vocationally, it changed my life. Emotionally, it changed my life because in high school, I didn't really have a lot of friends. I have a physical disability. I was really angry with God about that. I was really lonely and probably depressed at some points. And I probably would have struggled a lot more with my mental health if I didn't have Jesus. Another big aspect of accepting Jesus was choosing to be in community with the people in our fellowship. I was around my future husband, around my best friends, all interconnected to InterVarsity at some point. It would seem that Jesus getting a hold of your life early on in your college career had a fairly far-reaching impact on all of the other portions of your life for years to come, and obviously is continuing to have an impact even today. So then I'd love to hear a little bit about the time of transition. I think many of us went into graduation with certain expectations for what the next stage of our life was going to look like. What were some of those expectations that you had, realistic or not, and then what actually happened? It's a really good question. Unrealistic expectations was that I could move out on my own. I have a full-time job with benefits, find a church family. And then I had this fantasy dream that I would get engaged right around graduation. Most of that didn't happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, after college, I moved in with my grandmother, who was 90 at the time. While I was trying to figure out work, so I worked part-time from home for, I guess, about a year. So I didn't live on my own. I didn't have a full-time job with benefits. I actually got fired from that first job. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then I had a season of unemployment. Thankfully, I wasn't paying rent. And so something I decided to do was I tithed one day a week to university. Wow. I was like, well, I could look for jobs and look and look and look. But if I'm not serving God during that time, then what am I doing? And so I went to Ryder's campus and the staff worker there at the time, I was like, hey, do you have like freshmen that need discipleship? And he was like, yeah, I got to hold on to them. That was a really cool experience because I got to share what I learned during college. And it was cool because I got to talk to our university staff worker and still kind of have a mentor during that time period, even though it was like really unofficial. 
And I got to see in the years to come, the freshmen that I led became leaders of the fellowship after their freshman year. And so after that unemployment season, I then worked a temp job um, in Philly. And during that season, I volunteered with Young Life Capernaum, which is for high school students with disabilities. That was really cool because I'd never seen a parachurch run a ministry for students with disabilities of any type. But during my college years, when I was a junior, I went to Ambition, InterVarsity's planting conference. During that conference, I felt like God was saying, I'm calling you to start a disability ministry for college students. And my vision is to see it across the entire United States. And I was like, God, that doesn't exist yet. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, I know it's going to start at Ryder. And I was like, oh, it is. So a part of my after college journey was also figuring out how do I plug this vision that God gave me into my after college journey? Because at Urbana, God was like, this isn't just a college thing. This is like a life thing. I was like, oh, okay. That wasn't the answer I was looking for, Jesus. And so I also, after college, did an internship with Johnny and Friends. Johnny being Johnny Erickson Tata? Yes. All right. So kind of the weaving of the tapestry of the story is that transition and after college life doesn't look like you think. And God definitely had a plan that I could never have seen coming and had timing that I could have never seen coming. Hindsight, I'm thankful for it, but in the midst of it was really hard because trusting God and trusting God's faithfulness and trusting that you heard God is like, okay, God, but like nothing's happening. So you have this experience at Ambition. God tells you, hey, I want you to start this small group on your campus. And I want this to be something that becomes nationwide. And then almost a year later at Urbana, at the end of 2015, that's where God says, oh, and by the way, this is not just a college thing that I'm giving to you. This is something that I want you to be invested in even after you graduate. Can we zoom back in on the life cycle of this small group that you started and where things went from there? What happened with that small group? When did it start? Where did it go during your time in college? And what happened afterwards? So honestly, it didn't actually start until after Urbana, my last semester in college. I guess there's about five students that became a part of it. And God definitely showed up and like who was supposed to be in the small group. I just put in my midst people with disabilities that weren't there before, but we were graduating in May. And so God also put in my midst an apprentice to take over, but she honestly only ran the small group, I think for a year after. So it kind of died at that point at Ryder, but I wouldn't say that disability ministry died. I was pursuing Young Life Capernaum and really learning about What does disability ministry look like? And God was, I would say, working in the background. My staff worker got a promotion. So he gives me a call in August and says, you know, I'm getting this promotion and won't be on campus anymore. And we need a volunteer staff at Ryder. 
I'm in conversations with another volunteer that is going to be coming on, but we want to invite you to also be the volunteer campus staff worker. So I was like, let me think and pray about it. A month later, it's Labor Day and students are on campus and says, hey, Kat, so did you think and pray about it? Because I need you on campus tonight. (laughs) And so I was like, well, I'm conveniently coming home from a trip. I'll see you tonight. And so in the fall of 2019, I was handed the baton of Ryder University along with another volunteer staff. I had ended my time with Young Life Capernaum in June of 2019 because I had moved. I was like an hour away from where Young Life was. So then God like opens this other door. It's like, this is what you're going to do. So God opens that door. And then as we all know, March of 2020 happens. And students really need someone to help them, someone to guide them, someone to be available. So I got to help the students that I was already with walk through the beginning of the pandemic. And during the pandemic, I would say my passion for students increased and my holy discontent for students to love God, but also feel the love of God in the midst of craziness. And I was so sad that students stopped coming to things, but I also understood why they stopped coming to things. And I think it was less about their spiritual life and more about the reality of what was going on in the outside world. So then you got to help lead people through the beginnings of this pandemic. And was it that there was initial buy-in and then people just slowly kind of trickled off from there? Okay. So then where did things go after people stopped coming? So there's two things that kind of happened simultaneously. As the start of the pandemic happened, university was doing these national large groups and virtual spaces for people to meet online, no matter where they lived. So Deb Abs in the Indiana, Illinois region calls me up and is like, hey, I have a crazy idea. Everyone else is doing it. Why don't we do it too? So Access University started our own virtual gathering. And so at that point, God is answering a prayer that he says about five-ish years beforehand. But I still felt called to the students that were at Rider. And so I still faithfully put up the Zoom link and still did the things, even when less and less students were coming to things and just dropped off. Students were over virtual, but students with disabilities, especially during the pandemic, didn't feel safe on their college campus. They didn't feel safe before they got the vaccine or when mask mandates were lifted. And so they still longed for this community. And so we kept having the virtual space because they still longed for the community. For people who maybe aren't familiar with something like Access InterVarsity, can you just share a little bit more about that focus part of InterVarsity's ministry? What is its purpose? So the biggest disclaimer I can say is Access InterVarsity is not an official focus ministry. I don't want to paint that picture. Access InterVarsity is a plan. But our vision is to see students believe that they belong to the kingdom of God. They belong to the campus and they belong to the world. So what that looks like is helping students bridge that gap between I have this disability and God can't love me or what did I do wrong or what did my family do wrong and really see John 9-3 happen 
which is nor him nor his family have sinned, but this has been the glory of God. And to show these students that their lives matter to God and that they belong to the kingdom and that their purpose is to glorify God in everything they do. So that looks like having a voice that says we matter on campus and we should have access, but also looks like we should have access to the Christian fellowship and where they meet. And then looking at the third prong of university statement of world changers developed, we belong in the world. We have a voice and a purpose and a mission in the world. So people are not here to serve us, but we're here to serve the community just as much as everyone else. Did your small group play a role in starting what would become Access InterVarsity? Or were there people that the Lord was inviting them to do similar things at the same time? You all didn't necessarily know that this was happening and eventually you sort of found each other. What did the inception of this look like and where did you fall in the development of Access InterVarsity? Great question. It's more of the latter. There were a lot of other people across the country that were having very similar feelings and longings for safe space for students with disabilities to follow Jesus. One of those people was Deb Abs. Actually, while I was in college, like my senior year, I got connected with her because she wrote a Bible study called Belonging for Students with Disabilities. And it came out like right after I graduated. Deb, before the pandemic, was on a community college trying to plant a small group for students with disabilities. And then when the pandemic happened, her boss was like, well, why don't you just do it virtually? You have this huge network of people across the country. Why not try something? So I got to be a part of it, but I'm not solely responsible for it. I felt like for a long time, God put it on the back burner at least in my life, but behind the scenes, he was cultivating a lot of other people to have the same vision, the same longing. That's amazing. So in 2015, you have this thing that's given to you, that the Lord's inviting you to consider, which you a year or so later start on your own campus with this small group that died not too long after you graduated. I would have to imagine that you look at that and say, <laughs> this isn't what you told me was going to happen. And then of all places, with a few years in between, it's in the middle of the pandemic that God brings this to fruition. This thing that started at Ryder now has a national reach. Here it is. This is what I said was going to happen, and it's happening. That's unbelievable. Tell me just a little bit about what that was like for you to see that start to come together and then to actually get to spend some time in those spaces with people. It was honestly so healing and such a great reminder of God's faithfulness in the midst of an absolute storm. Getting to be a part of that, God was like, I don't forget things that I tell you. I am faithful. Yes, I have called you to things and I give you words that may not be for right now. It may be for years to come and in our instantaneous world really hard. It sort of reminds me of Abraham and the promises that God makes. And it's like decades later that God brings to fruition the first part of the promise. 
you're going to have your own kid. And through this kid that you're going to have a huge family and I'm going to bless the world through your family. But it takes quite a while for Abraham to see where this is actually going to happen in his life, that God's faithfulness, sometimes the promises that he makes, they are for years to come, not for the here and now like we expect it to be. Oftentimes that can be challenging to wait for. We might even give up on it while God is still saying, no, I haven't even started yet. Just hang on a second. That's amazing to be able to have such a testimony of God's faithfulness. But now, also interesting to me that you've been called back to Ryder, the place where this all started, that you saw this downturn and now to be brought back into a place of like, hey, these are the students in my backyard and I'm going to be a part of impacting their lives with Jesus. It's pretty exciting to see the ways that he's been at work in your story over this last decade and the stories that you get to share as a result of that. Something also is really cool. When I got hired as a provisional appointee, people were like, oh, are you doing access? And I was like, well, no and yes. My official job title doesn't technically include access university, but because I have a disability, you can't take access out of me and how I lead and how I get to influence the region that I'm a part of. I get to influence different small things for students with disability within our own region. The example of like our fall conferences, I brought up like, hey, is there a way for a student to tell us they need accessible housing without going to their staff worker? And they're like, no, but how would you like us to do that, Kat? And I got to be in that space before the registration happened so that instead of on the back end of being like, hey, this is missing. I could go in the front end and be like, hey, can we include this? So I may not be a part of what's happening nationally at this moment, but I get to influence the region that I'm a part of. That's also been a gift. Wow, that's really cool to see the ways that those things just keep getting woven into the ways that God's calling you. It hasn't left your calling. You get to live into it in different ways. Kat, I wonder, based on your experiences up to this point, would you have any advice that you would give to somebody that's just getting started with this post-college reality? I'm going to be a cheesy staff worker. (laughs) Okay, do it. (laughs) And I'm going to say the best advice I would give is to say yes to Jesus. So whatever that looks like and whatever season that looks like and whatever job that looks like. A lot of my friends are also university alum. And so I've had the privilege of seeing different people transition out of college and how all of their stories look very different. And God calls them all different things. Whatever that looks like, choosing to live on mission, just as important after college as it was during college. Yes. Those yeses that the Lord is inviting you into are inevitably ways that he's calling you into mission with him. And it might look different than you anticipate. It might not be the yes that you were anticipating that God might ask you. That's a great word, to be ready to say yes to Jesus. What is the yes that he has for you? Kat, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been really fun to get to hear more about your story, your experiences, and especially just the story of God's faithfulness, the things that he promised that took a while, (laughs) in our estimations, took a while to come to fruition, but that he was working in the background and preparing something really amazing for the things that he invited you into. Thanks so much for sharing those stories with us today. You're welcome. I really appreciate Kat's candor in this story. There's no mincing words here. She says things like, disability ministry kind of died at that point at Ryder. 
I was so sad that students stopped coming to things. Trusting God and trusting God's faithfulness and trusting that you heard God is like, okay, God, but nothing's happening. What I love is that in the midst of these significant feelings and experiences, both God and Cat are working faithfully. Cat sees what seems to be the death of the disability ministry God called her to plant, the ministry he said would end up with a national reach. But she doesn't stop. She tithes her time to volunteering with her chapter, additional time that could have been spent on her job search. In an effort to be obedient to the call she also received at Urbana to make this a part of her post-college life, she volunteers with two different established disabilities ministries. And then she makes herself available again to InterVarsity by becoming a volunteer staff, a decision that would lead her into the pandemic with students. And all the while, through the five years between the invitation she received at Ambition in 2015 to the pandemic in 2020, God was also faithfully at work teaching Kat how to do ministry in these unique contexts and developing a desire in others to see what would become Access InterVarsity planted locally and nationally. And in the most unexpected, impossible time, God revealed the ways that he had been making good on his promise for those five years. It's amazing. Alumni, where are you waiting on God to make good on a promise that he's made to you? Maybe it's something vocational, could be relational or emotional. Maybe you're just waiting to feel close to him again. This wasn't planned, but as I'm reflecting on this conversation with Kat, it's not lost on me that we're talking about waiting on God and longing to see his faithfulness in real ways right as we step into Advent. Could it be that today's episode is meant to be an invitation for you to be purposeful about your Advent engagement this year? To slow down and thoughtfully wait with Jesus, even as you wait for Jesus? Maybe there's something there to consider. As I've mentioned before, we have resources to help you. Our last couple episodes are all about Advent and are full of tools to help you meet Jesus there. Take a look at those and consider how you might be refreshed in your own waiting. Kat, thanks so much for joining us today. I am so grateful for your story and for your faithfulness in a long season of waiting. Blessings on you and blessings on your funding as you step into full-time ministry at Ryder. That's a wrap for today. Don't forget that we won't have an episode for you next week, so either check out an Advent resource or give those 30 minutes to something else that adds value to your life. Then we'll be back on December 6th with our last Urbana sneak peek episode. We're going to be talking to Purdue University alum, former InterVarsity staff worker, and your Urbana 22 alumni manuscript leader, Ross Haymond. Ross is going to fill us in on what we can expect from our manuscript times together at Urbana in December. I'm really excited to hang out with him, and I know that you will be too after the 6th. So be sure to come on back in a couple of weeks. And as always, thanks for subscribing, rating and reviewing, and sharing with your alumni friends. Your support in those simple ways helps us have the ability to continue serving you and other alumni just like you with After Four. Thanks for listening. Have a fantastic Thanksgiving, and I will see you in the After Alumni. <laughs>